Hello everyone and welcome back to the Underground Mess Hall, Finn McHale here. Today, we're back with another chapter review for Record of Ragnarok, Chapter 59, The Greatest King. Quick little note before the review. I recognize that my reviews are a little bit scattershot and unscheduled as opposed to my earlier ones with the past couple. That's because the chapter release schedule got pushed two days onto a new schedule, and it looks like it's caused a lot of the translators and translating teams to have to recalibrate their schedules. Hopefully that period will end soon, but for now, we're just going to roll with the punches. With that said, let's get into the chapter. So, we are going to find out a couple of interesting things. It's another flashback chapter, but we find out why Shin wears the bandana across his eyes, where he got it from, and his secondary ability or... Blight, depending on how you view this. So, a quick brief run-through for most of this flashback. Basically, in the year 260 BC, there's this battle of Changping, a general of the Shin army, captured the soldiers of this Zhao army, buried them all alive, and in the records of the Grand Historian, this was a little humble number of 450,000. Nothing too grandiose. But a year later... There's a member of the Shen royal family being kept hostage. His name is Zishu. He has an affair with a Zhao dancer. They have a child. His name is Ying Jiang. He ends up becoming the future Shen Shen Huang. For the rest of the review, we're going to refer to him by his name, Shen Shen Huang, just to keep things simple. But at two years old, his father escapes, returns to Shen alone. His mother abandons him. And then when King Zhao Shang of Shen invades the land of Zhao and lays siege to the capital Handan, he leaves him there as a hostage. And so, he's forsaken by his country at this point as well. So, years later, he's walking up to the gate of his courtyard and his house. There's graffiti that say, oh, you suck, evil, hate, curse, garbage, yada, yada, yada. He's like, thanking the guards for like, I'm back, you know, thank you for keeping my gate safe. After having them berated and spat on them. But, he also winces a little bit. And he has this goofy smile. And the guards note this, and they're like, he's always smiling like an idiot. But, when he's walking through the courtyard, there's a beautiful lady blowing out a pinwheel to make it spin. And she's like, are you Shin? And he goes, yes, I am. We get introduced that this is Chun Yan. She's the new living caretaker and bodyguard. And she's like, I can roll you, fold you, or do whatever I want with you. And so, Shin, who's being overly polite during this whole interaction, is like, you know, it's a pleasure to meet you. And Chunyan notes this as like, oh, you're awfully polite, you know, whatever, you know, show me around the place. They get in, it's dirty, you know, it's kind of a dump. Chunyan notes this, but then she's like, eh, suits a reject from the Shin royal family. But then Shin is like, do you want something to drink? If water's alright, I'll go fetch some. And Chunyan's like, are you really seven? Shin asks why, is there something weird about me? And Chunyan's like, yeah, I don't like you. Given your circumstances, you should be throwing a fit, a tantrum, or crying. You know, but you've just been grinning ear to ear this whole time. You know, it's kind of creepy. And so Shin apologizes and balls his fists up and goes into this tantrum-like stance, which Chunyan's not amused. So she goes and opens a window and basically gets Shin to help her clean this dump of a place up. So this is the start of their pseudo-familial life. It looks like some time passes because they're walking through the market getting groceries, and Shin is staring at these manto. And... Chunyan notices this and is like, if you want some, just tell me, you know, don't just stare at him gawkingly. And so she goes over and she's like, 
I'll have two of the Monto and some of the grilled meat. And so the vendor notices that, like, hey, you're really beautiful, and I've never seen your face, but are you really going to be able to eat two Monto? As he says this, he notices Shin behind Chunyan and tosses a Monto into the dirt and says, eat up. Chunyan's not having it, grabs his collar, but then the crowd descends on Shin and Chunyan. And they're all berating him like, my son was buried alive, my father and my brother were killed, this little stain is alive without a care in the world, man, if we had the king's permission, we'd kill you right here and there. And so they're all glaring at him, and we get the scene of this wicked eye with all these words circling across it like, hate, curse, kill, resent, yell, evil, grudge, sad, curse. And they descend, and Shin pops that weird smile again, and he just bows. And so later that night, Shin finishes up dinner, and he's like, you know, thank you for the food. I'm going to go lay down. I'm a little tired. That's when Chunyan notices there's a scar across his chest, and she grabs him and says, hold it. So she takes his top robes off to examine what's up, notices there's all these hissing and burning like wounds across his torso and arms. And she's beside herself, and she's trying to figure out what happened. She's like, did someone in town do this to you? What happened? Shin explains, no, it's just one day whenever I saw someone get injured or felt hatred towards me, I started to get scars on my own body. We find out that his secondary ability is this thing called mirror touch synesthesia. The chapter does a good job of explaining it. So, say you have two people. You have person one and person two. Person two reaches up and touches their cheek. Person one sees this and gets the same exact feeling in their face of being touched. Basically, it's a phenomena where you visually perceive the sensations of another one and then you feel them as your own. However, in Shin's case, his developed so strongly and he has a strong baseline mirror touch synesthesia in the first place that wounds he witnessed would become his own. However, as a result of him being constantly exposed to the Zhao people's hatred, his human limitations got surpassed with this ability. So it's now even evolved to where hatred directed towards him becomes his own pain. And so Chunyan's like, oh my god. But Shin goes on, you know, it's just a little pain. If I give him enough time, the wounds will heal. He's about to fall over. Chunyan's like, a little? You can barely even stand. And so Shin, who's being very mature, is going, it's only right that the Zhao hate me. This pain's my punishment. And so he learned the smile as an instinctive way to protect himself. It's kind of a pathetic little shield, basically. And so Chunyan's like, what are you thinking, you know? And Shin's like, you know, they'll forgive me one day, won't they? And Chunyan is like, who do you think you're kidding? She's really mature in this instance, too. And we're going to find out that their relationship develops a little bit further. And Chunyan's very interesting in this regard. Because she's like, how can you just keep grinning like an idiot? Why can't you get angry and hate them? You know, what your fathers, grandfathers, what your countrymen did have nothing to do with you. It's not right that you're getting hurt and punished for their sins. You can't hold your emotions back. If you want to cry, cry. If you want to be mad, then be mad. You're killing yourself from the inside and you're lying to yourself. And Shin's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know, I'm the child of a nation that kills people. I'm a cursed child. And so Chunyan says, no, that's not how this has to be. You need to be able to live your own life. You can choose how you want to live. And in response to this, Shin's eyes well up and he starts to cry and lets all his emotions out for the first time. And Chunyan's 
eager and is egging him on to, you know, let these emotions out. And so that was the first time in his life that he let his own emotions and feelings show. And he has a really good rest over it. I mean, for anybody that's had a, you know, really good cry, you know what that feeling's like. And so when Shin wakes up, Chunyan's like, oh, you must have slept like a baby. So he gives him a bandana. And so Shin's like, oh man, you made this Chunyan? And she's like, yeah, you know, that's something that used to be a piece of cake for me. And I figure if you cover your eyes with it, it'll help with the pain. So Shin quickly puts it on and he's like, how? One of the first instances of him using this catchphrase. And he's like, thanks, Chunyan. I'll take good care of it. And so Chunyan's like, how, huh? I like that word too. And so we get this montage of Shin and Chunyan getting into hijinks, eating, playing pranks on the Monto vendor, doing Tai Chi together, cleaning up the graffiti off the gates to the courtyard. And so Chunyan becomes the first person, basically, in Shin's life that he feels no pain, and this was the first happy time in his life. But it all comes to an end two years later because King Zhaoshang of Shin and then his son, King Zhao Wen end up passing away. And this allows Zishu in 250 BC to assume the throne. Now, we don't know the relationship, but it's probably like a cousin or a brother or something, but basically, they were next in line. This makes Shin the crown prince, and so he's allowed to come home to the country of Shin. And so Chunyan escorts him as well. And... You know, one of the caravan and guides is like, hey, once we're past that cliff there, Lord Shin, we'll be there at the Shin border. And so Shin's getting anxious and antsy, and he's like, oh man, you know, we're going to have to say goodbye to each other. Chunyan's like, yeah, my job lasts up until the border. And so she's like, Shin, these last two years with you were really fun. And then Shin's like, come on, Chunyan, come to Shin with me. And the caravan driver's like, oh, his eyes get big as he's like, uh oh. But then Chunyan kind of allays the situation and is like, I'm a citizen of Zhao, it's too late for me to live life as a Shin. And Shin gets a little bit depressed again, but Chunyan tries to cheer him up and is like, come on, you're the crown prince now, lose the gloomy face. But as soon as she's trying to say that, they get attacked by Zhao assassins. All the caravan and the guards die, and the only survivors are Shin and Chunyan. And so... Chunyan explains, you know, like, yeah, when you were being held hostage, you were a guest of King Zhao and treated as such, but it's not the case anymore, and a lot of people want to take their anger out on you. Shin's bandana starts to fall off, and he's like, it's my fault, and so then he gets angry, and he's like, I'll defend you, I'll fight them, pulling out a sword. Chunyan is impressed, and she's like, I'll expect nothing less of a prince, but, and she knees Shin in the stomach so he can't get up. And this was confusing because I thought she was about to turn on him. And she's like, stay down like a good little boy. But then she turns around and says, nope, this is my job. And she goes to attack the would-be assassins. She takes them all out, but during the course of each one, she gets a slice in the back of her abdomen. And, you know, she gets run through with a sword, and then she gets sliced through the torso. But just as the last assassin is about to kill or attempt to kill Shin, she grabs the assassin by the neck and says, stay the hell away from my kid. She walks over to Shin, falls down. And so she's like, you know, I'm sorry, I kicked him a little too hard. Shin's like, come on, why would you do that for me? Mind you, his bandana's been off the whole time, so he's witnessing all this carnage. And basically, essentially, watching his mother fight for his life. 
hold on to that thought really quickly. Because Chunyan drops a little truth bomb on us. She was keeping a secret from Shin in that she would have had a boy about his age now named Chuno. But he was buried alive at Changping with the captured Zhao soldiers. She started to hate living and cursed Shin. And then she heard they were looking for a nanny for Shin. And so she's like, I really wanted to see what sort of expression this prince would have. And if I didn't like it, I'd give him a piece of my own mind. She was just like the people in town. But then when she saw his maturity and stopped caring about that, had that two years of happiness, she was like, if a kid like you, who understands the pain of other people, you know, and they became king, you know, maybe you can mess up, well, not mess up, you could fix this mess up world just like you fixed me. And so she's like, you know, walk the path you believe in and become the greatest king of all. And Shin, you know, who's bawling is like, I'll become the greatest king, I promise, so don't die. And Chunyan's like, that's it. If you're feeling sad, then ball your eyes out. And Shin's like, no, 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 don't die, don't die. But then Chunyan's having death visions and goes, oh, Chuno, I didn't know you were there. Let Mama get a good look at your face. And Shin obliges and says, Mama, and this is probably the first time he truly feels like he's had a mother who he's now losing, and says, Mama. Chunyan's final word is how. She then falls from Shin's embrace and then dies. We then find out that afterward, Shin makes it to the country of Shin safely. His father dies three years later. And so at age 12, Shin becomes the new king. And he's walking out of the imperial palace, it looks like, to the gates. And he's like, you know, watch over me, Chunyan. Let's walk my... No. Let's walk the path of an emperor together. And so then 25 years later, he unites all of China. Becomes the first emperor to do so. We then cut back to the arena where we see that Hades is like, okay, so this is a terrible blight you have. You know, you can feel the pain of others. However, Shin raises a finger and wags it, you know, that little... And is like, no, it's precisely because I know the pain of others that I am the greatest king. And so the final tagline of the chapter is that a king never surrenders. Whoo! All right. So, I think a couple things to take note away from this chapter is that the human limitations thing, I think, is something that a lot of us are going to miss. And I think it's important to talk about this because if the human limitations of just his base ability of the mirror synesthesia was elevated beyond human limitations, imagine what that means for his chun Oh, excuse me, not Chuno, his Chiyo ability. I'm getting Chunyan's son and the fighting style confused now. But I think that's something to take note of because that might be why on top of having the uh, Valkyrie and having that holy weapon be able to damage with the Volunder, that also might be why he's dealing such heavy damage to Hades, but because his own human limitations have been surpassed, why he himself isn't taking as much damage as a lot of us think. On the flip side, though, we've seen Hades pull out some techniques, but not any abilities. Plus, where did he get the idea to want to fight with a trident or bident? Because it's implied that's where Poseidon wanted to learn trident fighting style was through his brother, Hades. And I think that'll be interesting in how this all plays out. But I think this will be an interesting fight, especially since 
Shin's abilities have been heightened and his limitations have been surpassed, essentially. But we're going to see how this rolls out. With that said, this has been a Bandolier Corps production. Finn McHale, signing out.